Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Lacrosse Ward Podcast. So today with me, uh, for our very first episode, I have Brother Grant Smith with me. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, So for those of you who weren't able to see the last episode, I'll walk through just the baseline on what we'll be able to do and just clear up some things for Brother Smith here. So first we'll go through some some baseline questions. So uh, I have five questions that if you're ever interviewed, this is what you can expect to be asked. I have a segment um, and these are just some rapid fire questions. I have 25 of them. And then we'll look at um, some of some Brother Smith's interests. Um, and I think that's gonna be an exciting segment. Um, so first of all, if we're just getting getting into, into this, right? Uh, what motivates you and inspires you? Uh, like what, what gets you up in the morning? Well, I, uh, I must say that it is not as easy to get up in the morning now as it was uh, earlier in life. Uh, one of the advantages of being retired is that you can sleep in if you like. But um, I, I thought about that question and um, I realized that uh, if I have people who are depending upon me, then I have a reason to get up in the morning. And so even though I am now retired, uh, before COVID came, I have a group of uh, friends, uh, seven of us, and we play tennis every Tuesday and Thursday. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I, I knew that I, I needed to, to get up and to, uh, get to tennis because they were counting on me to be there and it was always such a joy to be with my friends they're such great great guys most of them are retired professors from uh, uwl or or somewhere and so uh i never had a hard time uh, getting up in the morning and then also i have a number of friends who like to go hiking and so we would often plan hikes during the middle of the week or sometimes on weekends and so it was always a joy to realize that that day I was going to be outside with my friends and uh, and and to go hiking. I think that uh, before I retired, uh, I taught at Viterbo University for, I think, 25, 26 years, something like that. And uh, I, I enjoyed going to work every day. I enjoyed pulling into the parking lot every morning. I didn't ever dread uh, going to work. And that's a, that's a real blessing. I don't know how many people can, can say that they actually look forward to going to, to work every day, but I did every day. And I think that there were a couple of reasons for that. One was because I liked the challenge of uh, teaching. Uh, you had to always be sharp. You had to always have your research done. You had to always have your lessons prepared because there would, there would be 25 students in the classroom expecting the very best of you uh, every day. And so uh, it was a challenge, but it was also exhilarating. It was, it was fun, it was uh, exciting. Uh, it was intellectually challenging and, and satisfying in, in many, many ways. And then also I, I enjoyed going to work because I had such great colleagues. Uh, my colleagues at Viterbo were men and women who had values uh, similar to mine or I had values similar to theirs, uh, concern for the environment, uh, concern for the natural world, and, uh, and also a, a 
deep commitment to education, to learning, and to sharing what we what we had uh, with others and helping them along the way. And so I never had a really a hard time, uh, even when I was working, uh, getting up in the morning. It was always a uh, a thrill to to go to work, and now it's a thrill to uh, to get up and to uh, look forward to whatever. Uh, might be out there, whether it be with uh, friends or, or with family. Uh, but that's not to say I don't enjoy now sleeping in occasionally. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic answer. Um, I've never had the pleasure of really getting to know you, um, but I mean, it sounds like you're really just a class A person, really excited to have, have community and form relationships. Uh, so fantastic. Thank you. So Next, going into more of the spiritual side, right? Uh, how in your life have you confirmed the teachings and the doctrine of the church? Yeah, that's a. I think that's a tough question. I, I I'm glad you sent it to me before because I, it has given me a chance to to think about it. Um, I think that all of us have a lot of challenges in life. Uh, no one escapes without having uh, challenges. It might be the the loss of a spouse, it might be issues with, uh, with work or with children or uh, health issues. We all have, we all have challenges. And uh, occasionally uh, my friends have asked me, um, how do you keep going? Uh, how, what is it that uh, prevents you from just crumbling and um, allows you to, to Stay strong. And I think that my answer would be that it uh, is in great part the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know how it would be not to be a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it has always been a part of my identity. Um, I grew up in a, a, what I would call a spiritual family. Uh, my father were, and mother were great examples of spirituality and great, great examples of uh, of of moral strength, very good uh, people of character. And so that's how I, that's how I grew up. And I hope that I uh, assimilated some of those, of those values. And so I think that when you have that as a part of your being, when it is a part of your identity, when it is a part of uh, your everyday life, then that helps you to survive these, uh, these crises that are inevitable. Uh, and so uh, I think that would be probably my, my best answer to, to that question, unless you want to have a follow-up to, uh, to that. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you, you talked about it all, uh, about just how we don't, we don't get away with scars. Um, and I think that is a, a very excellent, astute observation. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't think of follow-ups. I think, I think you did a perfect job of explaining how that's been resembled in your life. Um, and, and just so everyone can get a background of um, just, just for your history with the church. Um, so very, very cool, very interesting. So um, after that, right, genealogy uh, is something that's important to the church. So uh, this was this is my father's idea, you've met him. Uh, so he, he wanted to really know um, what, what your last name means or what, what your experiences have been with working with family history and, and just sort of that general category. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, I think a good question. I'm not a genealogist. 
uh, you know, there are people in, in our ward who are extraordinary genealogists, Sister Peak, Sister Schilling, uh, Sister Countryman when she was in our ward, Chester Hills, and there are, there are many who are great genealogists, and I am not, uh, because I have siblings, I have seven siblings, and those siblings are genealogists, and so they have done the work uh, for me. And my wife, uh, when she was alive, she also was a great genealogist. And so she did a lot of work on her side of the family as well. And so I have not been a great uh, genealogist, but I do love to, to study history. And I can tell you that uh, as I have studied my personal history, uh, my ancestors on my mother's side uh, crossed the uh, plains uh, with the Martin a handcart company. And uh, I have read their stories. Uh, they left, of course, from Iowa City and, um, and, they, and they were caught in the, uh, in the snowstorm in Wyoming. And uh, my great-great-grandfather, maybe it's three greats, I don't know how many, uh, he and his wife, and they had several children, uh, were caught there. And uh, he died, and I think two of his children also died there at the uh, at uh, Martin's Cove, uh, Devil's Gate. And uh, I have taken my family, all of my uh, family there, and we have looked at the wall there at the visitor center, and you can see my ancestors' names uh, there uh, on the wall. And I think that it is a good reminder of, of many things. Uh, one is that these people were real people. Uh, they, they had desires, they had hopes, they had ambitions, they had a testimony of, of what they were doing. Um, and yet they, they got caught in a, in a bad storm and uh, two or, or three of them uh, perished there. And so it's a good lesson for me that um, we have this history in our family of, uh, of struggle. We have this history of accomplishment. We have this history of exploration. And uh, this can be a, a guiding light, if you will, uh, for us, a model of, uh, of an example of how we can perhaps uh, conduct our, our lives as well. Uh, now, just as an interesting uh, sidebar to this story, uh, my great-great-grandmother, uh, the last name is Briggs, B-R-I-G-G-S, uh, she and maybe two of her children made it into Salt Lake City. And, uh, and there she married a man. Uh, she was a plural wife to a man in Salt Lake City. And uh, she lived uh, in a crowded cabin, a crowded home. And so she slept outside. And while she was... Uh, outside asleep one, one evening, uh, she was stung by a scorpion and she died from that, uh, from that sting. And I have often thought, you know, how unfair that was. Uh, here, this woman uh, survived the trek across the plains. Uh, she survived the horrible snowstorm. She watched her husband and some of her children uh, perish there. Uh, and then she made it into Salt Lake City and perhaps she thought that she at last was, you know, quote unquote safe. But, um, you know, these uh, accidents happen to us. These um, unexpected trials that are not of our doing sometimes, they happen to us. 
And so we learn about our own character by how we respond to those, uh, those challenges. And so I have always used that example as uh, an example of, uh, of what I have learned uh, from my own family uh, personal history. Wow, that's, that's really a lot of interesting stuff. So you're really right up there with um, a lot of like Utah area church history, um, which is fantastic. I think a few people out there are gonna, are gonna relate and talk about maybe some, some genealogical handcart stuff too. Um, well, you know, but if, I, if you talk long enough with anybody in the Mormon church, then you'll find out that you are related to them <laughs> sooner or later. I, I had to laugh at uh, Neil Taylor because uh, Neil Taylor, who is a, he and his wife, of course, great genealogists also. And uh, he sent me an email once informing me that I was a distant second cousin uh, in his family uh, as well. And so, yeah, this, uh, this connection in the church is, uh, is interesting. Now, on my father's side, my father was, my great-great-grandfather, Smith, uh, owned property in Nauvoo. And uh, he was actually a close friend to the prophet Joseph Smith. And um, when my wife and I went to Nauvoo early, uh, after we moved to the Midwest, we went to Nauvoo. And, you know, you can go there and you can look up where your plots were and where, your, where the, their land was. And it turned out that my wife's family, uh, their, their land was not that far from my family's land. And so that was a peculiar coincidence uh, for us. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, that note that you said about talking about everyone and finding if you're, uh, like finding out you're related is um, astute. A few years ago, uh, we, we were having conversation with the Fauché family. Um, and we found that all the way down, uh, we had a very distant grandparent who had like five wives. And, and so through that chain, we traced back to each other. Um, and I, I think that's always really funny. And it's it's just sort of a, a, a unique reminder that you get, um, like I'm related to this person, but really, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, thank you for sharing. So finally, before we wrap up this segment, what is unique about you? Well, uh, you said that question to me also, and I don't know if there is anything unique about me. Uh, I have maybe done some unique things. I have hiked to the highest point of uh, 50 states. That might be unique. I've hiked to the top of Kilimanjaro and Machu Picchu and Grand Canyon and things like that. Maybe that's unique. Um, but uh, that's a hard question for me to answer. Uh, I, don't, I don't see myself as being a unique person. Uh, I have been told that I uh, am a good teacher. And so maybe that is something that is unique. Um, maybe it is unique that uh, my three children are all adopted. You know, when I was growing up in Idaho on a farm in southeastern Idaho, I never imagined that one day I would be teaching at a Catholic university on the banks of the Mississippi River, and that I would have three children, uh, one of whom is black, and, uh, and that would be my, my family. I, I, I never imagined that. Uh, so maybe that is unique. But, you know, we are all, uh, we're all different. We're all unique. And, and yet at the same time, as, as you pointed out when you talked about uh, linking up with the Fauchés, that, uh, 
even though we are all unique, all different and all separate, we are at the same time interconnected. And I think that when we find that interconnection, that it is very, very important because we realize that um, uh, what we do affects others and what others do affects us. And so we have to be very cautious and very careful and very mindful of that uh, to do what is best for the, for the common good. Uh, because we all, uh, you know, we're in this world together. We're in this ward together. We're in this uh, city together. Uh, and so we, we need to f understand that interconnection that we have with others and also our interconnection with, with the land uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, again, just, just so astute. I can say uh, to, to viewers who might not have caught up on this, when, when I think about this question and you, um, from our conversation that we've had so far, you seem uh, like a very intellectual presence. Um, and that's, that's just so fun. Um, well, you know, I have, to correct, I have to correct you there. I am not an intellectual. Now, I have friends who are intellectuals. Uh, they are extraordinary, extraordinarily bright, bright people. But I'm not. Uh, but I but I work at it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I work hard because I, I'm not as smart as uh, as others. And so I have to work twice as hard uh, to be able to hold my own sometimes with others. And then I, I have learned to just keep quiet when uh, uh, when I should be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a learned a learned quality, I think, Brother Smith. Um, so from there, we'll wrap up that segment. So. Uh, now for our viewers back at home, this is um, this is our monthly segment. So uh, each month we'll be changing up what this is, uh, but just for a really basic um, first first segment, we thought we'd wrap in some fun rapid fire questions just to just to figure out who exactly Brother Smith is. And we learned a lot of fantastic stuff uh, from those last questions, but these are a bit more fun and so we'll get you it's just like one one word answers uh no no need for elaboration or anything um just quick quick answers and we get to have a little window into into just who you are and um we see you outside of church uh who who are gonna meet so well now you know, uh, you know I, I don't think as quickly as i used to oh there's there's no rush <laughs> either um you can you can have as much time as you want um so there's 25 of them, um, and I'll I'll get ready. Okay, so um, our first question is: If you could serve a mission anywhere in the world, uh, like a, another mission, where would it be? Oh, I would like to serve uh, in a historical place. Oh, these are supposed to be short answers, right? I'm sorry, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you can elaborate. I would like though. to go to uh, a uh, like Brigham Young's home in St. George or Jacob Hamlin's home in St. George. I'd like to serve a historical mission. Uh, that would be great fun, I think. Okay, uh, next, do you have a favorite genre of music? Of music? Well, in, in my opinion, all great music died uh, when the Beatles broke up. Uh, so I would say uh, rock and roll, yes. Uh, but rock and roll from the 60s and early 70s. Okay, I need to I need to stop here. Your answer to that made me the happiest. I am one hundred percent the biggest. Beatles oh my fan. goodness! I love them so much. I look at my room right now. I have three three of the records hanging up. I have an Abbey Road poster to my left. Like 
They're the best best band ever. I can 100% agree. Okay, so let's see. Let's see if you are a real Beatles fan. Um, what is their best album ever? Oh, their best album. I mean, Every Road's a classic. I really like uh, the Rubber Ah, uh, that's album. the correct answer. Very good. Go on. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you have a favorite hymn? Um, oh gosh, um, Be Still My Soul. That's a, that's a very good one. I can agree. So this is, this is going a bit into the more fun ones. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Wow. Um, oh, a superpower. You mean like one of the Iron Men or something like that? Uh, uh, yeah. Or just, just like flight or something or, or anything. Well, I would like to be able to be transported quickly from one place to another without having to get on a train or get in a, a plane or, or drive a car. So I'll say uh, kind of like a Star Trek, uh, beam me aboard, Scotty, and to be in La Crosse one second and then be in uh, New York City the next. <laughs> that, that'd be amazing. I think maybe someday we'll get to the <laughs> technological standpoint where we can do that, but I think we'll all look forward to that day. <laughs> Okay, um, so I'm going to challenge you to think on this one. Besides water, what is your favorite beverage? Oh, that's a, if it's like a soda or, or something. That's a terrible, uh, terrible question to ask because I'm addicted to Diet Mountain Dew. And I've tried oh. many, many times to break the habit. And I'm sure that I would lose weight if I, if I did, but I am absolutely addicted to Diet Mountain Dew. Oh. <laughs> okay, Um if you had to buy a food in, you know, like bulk, if you buy something in bulk, right? If you could buy any food in bulk, what would you buy? In bulk? Hmm. I guess I would buy a 50-pound bag of potatoes. I grew up in a potato farm, and so I am quite fond of potatoes. I'm, I'm assuming you, you have better judgment, and it would be Idaho potatoes. Of course. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> That's I. We can never buy Wisconsin potatoes. It's the, the there's something in the soil, something that adds in that special factor. That's that's actually uh, that's true. The, the Snake River Valley, where the potatoes are grown, uh, is a site of uh, great volcanic activity, and that uh, volcanic activity left behind uh, soil that is just right for russet potatoes. That's that's amazing. Um, I feel like in Idaho, I've seen some of those large volcanic rock yeah. boulders just scattered around the area so um do you have a favorite movie or tv show oh my favorite movie um i would say uh, the godfather comes to mind godfather one although all of the godfather uh movies were were great so for a movie i would say the, the godfather uh for a tv show I was a great fan of the uh, sitcoms in the uh, uh, 60s and early 70s. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, All in the Family, uh, MASH, and those, those types of sitcoms. I, I am not a real big uh, TV watcher now. I, I can watch ESPN for hours. I can watch the news for hours. But if you ask me what is the most popular sitcom today on TV, I wouldn't be able to answer that. 
I I don't watch much TV either, uh, so I I can relate to you there. Um, do you have a favorite candy bar? Uh, yes, Snickers with almonds. That's excellent choice. I think <laughs> from when you said the Beatles were the best band, I think that put you up one level. But then saying Snickers, I think that's that's just to next level. Um, I, I think that's you're starting to get on a good. <laughs> Thank you. So, if you had to paint your entire home one bright exotic color, it could be like gray or something. Uh, what what color would you want to paint it? Hmm. Well, you know, there is a house uh, on Losey Boulevard that is uh, a uh, kind of a Pepto-Bismol pink. I think most people who, who live in La Crosse will know what house I'm talking about. Uh, that's, that's the color. If I had to choose one color, I would choose that Pepto-Bismol pink. That's that's very good. Yeah, I feel like I've I've passed by there a couple of times. We have some really old, uh, different differently colored houses in in our area, which is pretty great. Um, so I know you talked a lot about uh, loving your job as it's like intellectual engaging, but if you could have any job whatsoever in the entire world, what would your dream job be? Well, I wish that I could do uh, carpentry. Or I wish I could do um, car repair, uh, those types of jobs. Uh, I uh, have to call a handyman to have my light bulbs changed. I am just absolutely uh, not at all apt at uh, those things. So that's what I would choose to be, a carpenter, a mechanic, anything like that. Fantastic. Um, so there's a lot of instruments. I play violin and trumpet personally. But I think there's some really exotic instruments I would love to master. What instrument would you love to just master? And you could play any song. Does it have to be exotic? No, it doesn't. Just any, any whatsoever. Well, uh, I did take piano lessons for several years, but uh, my teacher finally uh, told me to stop because I wasn't progressing. But if I could, I would love to be able to play the piano. Uh, we have such a talented ward, uh, such great musicians, and I just love to hear... Uh, Stacy Loman play the piano. She is so extraordinary, and and Carol Miller playing the organ. I just I just love that. So I would say piano. That's excellent answer. I think piano is is a very versatile instrument. You can you can do anything with it. Um, do you have a favorite book that you've read? Oh, that's a crazy question to ask of an English professor. Um, I cannot name one book. I can give you a few authors that I still read uh, often. Uh, Emily Dickinson would, would be one. Walt Whitman certainly would be another. And, uh, and Robert Frost. I find Robert Frost to be uh, a poet who still speaks to me uh, very, uh, very powerfully. Yeah, so um, as I'm sure you know, my mother also teaches, uh, she teaches some English stuff. And those those names are are a few names that sound familiar as uh, as a professor would recommend. Um, so, do you have a favorite church authority? So, any prophet or apostle that's ever been um, in in position? Oh, uh, that's kind of a hard one as well. Um, I was very uh, very uh, I was very impressed with uh, President Kimball, of course, uh, especially because. Uh, of the lifting of the ban on 
priesthood uh, for the African-American men. And so that has always stayed with me. And then um, President Monson came to my mission when I was in Mexico and he spoke to us. And I recall thinking that he was uh, a very... uh, a very good person and uh, with a man of, of good character. And so I would, I would say those two, those two men. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about, um, about, sorry, uh, about, I'm losing on the name here. Um, the Air Force pilot. Oh, Uchtdorf. I should be Uchtdorf. Thank you very much. I had that and then, it was gone, but um, I know a lot of people love his key German accent. It's amazing. Well, now you you should you shouldn't uh, forget though that there are many women as well who were influential in in the church. Uh, and one of my favorites, uh, of course, is uh, Brigham Young's uh, daughter, and uh, and I actually have a second chapter of my dissertation is is on her and. Um, uh, so the women also, uh, Emma Smith, uh, others were, were, were examples as well. Yeah, that was just most recently in Come Follow Me. Um, and I, I think that was, I was really appreciative uh, because there's a lot of women that have gone through a lot of hardships um, and, and there just hasn't been a lot of recognition for that. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so now going back to that fun side, right? Uh, if you had to smell one scent forever, you couldn't smell any other scents, what scent would it be? Well, uh, I lost the sense of smell when I got COVID in November. And uh, I lost it for, uh, for several weeks, actually. And I, and I thought to myself that um, I didn't miss it as much as I thought I would. And so I would say smell. Mm. That's... <laughs> That's that's good. Um, so if you had one item that would disappear forever, it would no longer um, be in existence. What item would it be? Oh my! Um, I would say uh, semi-automatic uh, weapons, semi-automatic uh, rifles, handguns. Uh, that would be the the one thing I would like to to see disappear. Yeah, I, I think that's that's once again good. Um, just what what there's not a lot of uh, places that that uh, rifles and stuff hold in our society. Uh, so I think I think moving it away for a while might be good. Um, now I know you're a Beatles fan, and uh, that's amazing. Uh, what's your favorite song? And it doesn't have to be Beatles. If you like another band better, you can say that. But I think um, if you want to stay in my favor, you can stick. With <laughs> Oh dear, uh, my favorite song. Um, uh, well, you know, I used to sing to my children uh, uh, that uh, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. And I would sing it over and over and over and over again to get my son to go to sleep. And uh, yesterday, my uh, son was here with his little boy, and uh, he's three. And um, they had to leave, and my grandson did not want to leave. He wanted to stay here, and he started crying how he wanted to stay here. And so uh, he was very tired. And so I took him in my arms, and I held him close, and I started singing that song, She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain When She Comes. And uh, I think he was asleep maybe in five minutes. 
So that I like that that song comes to my mind right now. That's that's very endearing. Uh, that's that's definitely sweet. So uh, if you could live in one decade, there's a lot of awesome decades that we have have had in the past. Uh, but what decade would you choose if you had to live in one decade forever? Eighteen uh, fifties. 1850s so uh just for follow-up so the 1850s happened a long time ago what what's your intrigue with that well uh in the 1850s uh you had these amazing american writers who were all writing at the same time and living very very close to one another uh henry david thoreau ralph waldo emerson louise may alcott uh walt whitman um Longfellow, they were all right there. John Greenleaf Whittier, they were all right there in, in uh, close proximity. Uh, Thoreau and Emerson were very, very good friends. Uh, Thoreau taught the Alcott family in school. And, uh, and I, it would just ha would have been fascinating to have been a part of that uh, decade and to see uh, they, them grow. Um, Melville and Hawthorne were, were very close friends. They would take walk, long walks together. Uh, they dedicated books to one another. Uh, that was a, a fascinating time in American literature. It's sometimes called the American Renaissance. Um, now, would you try and sneak yourself into one of the works of one of those poets? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I might. I think if I had a, a Longfellow poem, Dedicated oh, well, that, to me, yeah, yeah sure. Be. If I could have a, a poem <laughs> dedicated to me, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I think that's that's fantastic. So uh, let's see. There's a lot of numbers um, and there's a lot of superstitious people who have special feelings about numbers. Uh, what's what's your favorite number? Hmm. I guess I would go with seven. Uh, you know, numerology is not something I really believe too much in. But seven is an interesting number because you have the three, uh, the Trinity, and you have the four, the four squares of the of the earth, the four seasons. And so I would go with, with seven. Plus, that's plus if you get three sevens at the slot machine, then that's good, too. Yeah. Um, it's just for a fun fact about me. Um, I, I love 13. And even though that's an unlucky number, I happen to be born on uh, the 13th of April, no less the Friday the 13th of April. So for most, 13 is an unlucky number, but that's always had a special place in my heart, um, especially paired with the Friday. Um, so if you could have any pet or you could live with any animal, what would it be? Oh, well, this is, uh, this, this is not a tough one because uh, I had a pit bull for uh, about 14 years and the dog's name was Stin, S-I-N. I did not give him that name. Uh, my son named him and then I adopted him from my son. And uh, that dog was a great dog. He was in some ways challenging, but he was a great dog. So I would say that uh, my dog Stin would be my pet. That's, that's very nice. I think animals have a special place in our society um, and they're just they're just the best um i i can relate to that so what's the best condiment this is this is controversial so uh let's just have a 
discretion for viewers at home. Uh, I don't know what Brother Smith is going to say, but uh, if he says something that's quite controversial, hold yourself back because uh, it's okay. You're still entitled to your opinions. Uh, so with that, you can go ahead and, and name your favorite continent. My favorite continent. Now, I'm not sure why this would be controversial. Oh, sorry. Uh, condiment, like salt oh, or... Oh, uh, condiment. Ketchup. I thought you said continent. Condiment. Condiment, uh, yes. Oh, well... <laughs> I guess I would say ketchup. That's kind of boring, but I would have to say ketchup. And, uh, you know, like I said, my grandson was, was with me last night and we were having dinner and my son, you know, poured some ketchup on his plate and my grandson ate it with a spoon. Uh, so I would say ketchup. Um, now, the reason why I take such caution with that is because... Um, my my father brother Heisey, right he has this thing where if he's having any pot roast or anything he'll take the ketchup bottle and he'll turn it upside down and for several seconds it he'll be squeezing that out on his plate and i i just personally can't handle that it it like my soul <laughs> cries because it's it's just not it doesn't look right so um i just wanted to make sure people at home if you said you just like mayonnaise slathered all over your plate i mean there's there's different well there are a lot of people who criticize anybody who puts uh, ketchup on a hot dog because if you are in wisconsin you should only put uh, mustard on a hot dog or a uh, or a brat i think i think that's true wisconsin style there um so if you could master the art of making one item so you can make any item and it would be it would be like the best quality item on the market, right? What item would it be? Uh, I would love to make a beautiful pottery. Beautiful pottery. I think that's that's good. I think there's a lot of versatility in that as well, because um, you can you can put all different designs. So, what's your favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon? We have a lot of chapters in there, um, and a lot of people have special feelings towards one. I would say uh, uh, the book Mormon that 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 chapter um, more uh, or chapter or book or what what exactly do you want? There is one verse I think I think it is either Mormon chapter eight verse three or Moroni chapter eight verse three, where uh, uh, a father is talking to his son and he uh, prays that his son will be safe and and well and. Uh, uh, that that verse has always stayed with me. That's that's good. Um, in your opinion, out of the four seasons that we have, what's the best season? Well, in uh, Wisconsin, I would have to say the fall. Uh, I I love the fall season in Wisconsin, uh, so I would say the fall. I think when the bugs are gone, any season where the bugs are gone and you can go outside with shorts, I think that's just optimal. Um, and, and we're in that season right now, so I'm really trying to just take it in um, and wait till the gnats come and swarm my face. Uh, so if you became famous for something, what would you become famous for? Well, it would have been nice if I, uh, I am not a writer. Uh, I have written a lot, but I am not a good writer. I'm not good enough to be published. But I wish that I were. I wish that I could uh, could write well enough that I could write a uh, a great novel or a great memoir 
uh, great poetry. Uh, so that's what I that's what I would say. Um, I can assure you, if you wrote um, a book or a novel, I would be <laughs> buying it. Uh, I, I'd love to have your thoughts. Thank you. So this is wrapping up that segment. Um, and we should only go a little bit longer. We're at 40 minutes. Um, and Bishop said, however long we want to go is fine. Uh, so now I want to talk about you. This can be however long you have left. Um, I, I have like 20 more minutes left, maybe a bit less. Um, but I've heard you love to collect antiques and you have just this, this huge collection and there's so much variety in what you do. So can you tell me about that? Well, uh, if you ever interview Art Peak, uh, Art Peak will be the one to give a better answer than, than I. I love to go antiquing with Art because he is so smart. He knows the history of almost everything that we, that we look at and he can uh, look at a piece and tell whether it's genuine or not genuine or, or whatever. But in answer to your question, um, I didn't really get interested in antiques until I moved to the Midwest. And then uh, I, I started noticing antiques. And I uh, became attracted to a uh, particular kind of pottery called uh, Roseville pottery, uh, which, was, which is a Midwestern pottery uh, of the early 1900s. And uh, my mother had two or three pieces in her home that had been given to her uh, as wedding gifts. And then my grandmother also had a very nice piece of Roseville, a, a vase of Roseville. And when the Teton Dam broke, um, that house, my grandmother's house was, was destroyed. And my uncle was living there alone at the time. And he saved only one piece from that, from that house, or only one thing from that house. And it was this one piece of Roseville pottery. And he gave it to me. And I thought that was such a generous uh, act on his part. Uh, he, my mother had told him I was interested in Roseville, so he gave that piece of pottery to me. And it is probably the only thing I have from uh, my, my uh, grandmother. But uh, as, I, as I started looking more and more and more into antiques, uh, I realized that the antique stores are really like museums. Uh, you go through there and you see things that are 100 years old, 200 years old, or, or whatever. And you can't help but wonder about the history uh, behind some of these things. Uh, who, who crocheted that doily? Or uh, who, who uh, farmed with that piece of farming equipment? And it really takes you back to uh, another time, to another place. And then also, uh, you, ha you ask yourself, well, what will I leave behind in terms of uh, material possessions that will perhaps be a reflection of who, uh, of who I am? And so over the years, uh, I, have, I have quite a, a large collection now of Roseville, Roseville pottery, probably way too much. But, uh, but recently, uh, Art Peak and I have started doing something kind of fun. And that is when we go into an antique store I always ask two questions. The first question I ask is, do you have anything that is related to the Mormon church? And because I have traveled you know, all across the country, uh, I have been in some places where uh, I have found really extraordinary things from the Mormon church in unusual places like uh, 
uh, Nashville, Tennessee, for example, I found a, uh, an early edition of the Book of Mormon. And um, so that's always a fun thing to do. I always ask, do you have anything related to the Mormon church? And then the second question I, I ask is, do you have anything that I could have at a dinner party? I want to put out like five or six antiques at a dinner party. And then my guests have to choose, have to decide what the antique was used for. And so that's great fun, too, because then the people in the store, they start looking around trying to find something uh, that is unusual. And, uh, and they really are clever. And, uh, and, you, and you realize the ingenuity of the, of the people that they created these uh, things uh, for usually, usually just for everyday use. Uh, that we no longer use, of course, now, but they were used used back in in at one time or or another, and so um, yeah, so that's why I am I'm interested in antiques. Now I will say one one last thing about this. Um, my wife uh, liked uh, ball pitchers. That's B A L L pitchers. It has a rounded bottom and a certain kind of uh, a top, and um, her her grandmother had one, and and she gave it to my wife. And so uh, we started looking for ball pitchers. And then after my wife died, uh, my son Casey, who was living up with me at that, uh, uh, by, at that time, he started looking for ball pitchers as well. And so it kind of became a connection between, for me and Casey to go into an antique store. Casey would look for, for a ball pitcher. I probably have, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 by now. Way too many. So if anyone out there wants a ball pitcher, let me know, and I won't even sell it to you. I'll just give it to you. Um. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna stop questions from here if that's okay. I need to wrap up. Uh. So thank you so much. Uh. This is really interesting. I've heard about your dinner party game. Um. And and how much of a blast that is. But thank you for sitting down talking with me. This is gonna be an excellent first episode. I'm excited for to get published and everyone out there can hear it uh but thank you once again well thank you and uh, you are you are a good interviewer congratulations <laughs> thank you uh so thank you everyone at home also for coming and listening to our podcast you can tune in weekly and uh, these will be coming out each week by sunday uh so we don't have specific dates uh for when they're going to release just based off of scheduling stuff uh, but for everyone, for sure, by each Sunday, we'll have one out. Mm -hmm.